1: That's Stamps.com. Code program. Farm Talk with John O'Connor with Dairy Gold Heifer Rearer Cube. A trusted partner to help your replacement heifers reach their target weights and meet their full potential.
2: Welcome to this week's Farm Talk. I'm Barry O'Mahony. On the programme we continue our weekly look at the world of agriculture and food. Key issues this week are the new Level 5 COVID restrictions and how they'll impact on the sector. Marts continue but online only, so how does it work for buyers and sellers? The Common Agricultural Policy has been the subject of intense debate in Europe and the National Dairy Show is going ahead but it's a virtual presentation online this year. We have a couple of topics on winter housing of cattle and a reminder of key closing dates for some upcoming schemes. And as always, Farm Talk's John O'Connor looks at other stories which are making the agri-news.
0: Farm Talk on C103. First, an
2: update in relation to Level 5 COVID restrictions and how they'll impact on agriculture and fisheries. Services will continue to be provided to agriculture, horticulture, forestry, fishing, animal welfare and related services. Physical attendance at workplaces is permitted for those providing services where services can only be provided in person and cannot be delivered remotely. It does not include administrative and other support for such businesses and services unless specified in Section 13 and the physical presence of a worker is required. So the services include farming, farm labour, farm relief services, crop and animal production, fishing for commercial purposes, aquaculture and fish farming, horticulture, forestry, veterinary, animal welfare and related services, marts held online only, The provision of support services relating to any of the services specified. Outlets selling essential items for the health and welfare of animals, including animal feed and veterinary medicinal products, pet food, animal bedding and animal supplies, whether on a retail or wholesale basis, as well as supplies and tools which are essential for farming or agriculture purposes. ICOS is providing guidance on the new Level 5 COVID restrictions in the marts, and we'll have a more in-depth look at that later. An agreement was reached in the current stage of the CAP talks during the week. It's not the end deal, but the basis on which the package will move to the next stage. It'll pave the way for detailed negotiations to begin with the European Council. MEPs have been voting all week on dozens of amendments. Farm Talks John O'Connor has been casting his eye over the recent marathon negotiations in Luxembourg. It's understood that
3: as the Luxembourg CAP agreement stands at the moment, between two hundred and thirty-seven million and three hundred and fifty-five million euro of Irish farmers' direct EU payments, Pillar One Direct Payments, would be ring fenced for environmentally friendly linked action under the new CAP for the period twenty twenty three to 2027 measures agreed by EU agriculture ministers this week following marathon negotiations in Luxembourg. The environmental actions could include fertiliser and pesticides reduction, carbon efficiency practices upgraded and the expansion of native broadleaf or other types of native trees. This ring-fence money would be forfeited if farmers felt unable to take on board these environmental schemes. Their BPS payment would be reduced correspondingly. In summary, 20% of the BPS scheme cash would depend on farmers' willingness to adopt the eco-measures aimed ultimately at the long-term sustainability and survival of farming. The next stage of the CAP reform is seen as being fundamentally different as it gives every member state more freedom to develop their own CAP strategic plans for approval by the EU Commission – Politicians at national level and MEPs will be lobbied to obtain the maximum support for agriculture. The reformed cap measures will not come into operation until January 1st, 2023, and three EU institutions will have a role in deciding the ultimate shape of the reformed cap, and those institutions would be the EU Council, the EU Commission and the EU Parliament. A greener, fairer and simpler cap is the declared aspiration of the EU Presidency at the moment. Minister for Agriculture, Food and the Marine, Mr Charlie mcconnell said he is satisfied Ireland's interests have been protected in the agreement reached. And he looks forward to the EU Commission taking these proposals forward for engagement and final agreement with the European Parliament. The EU Agriculture Council agreement reached in Luxembourg would have been the first step in agreeing a framework which would be acceptable to all Member States, around which they could plan their businesses over the next few years, the Minister pointed out. He said it would support farm incomes while helping us build a sustainable agricultural sector, contributing to the European Union's Green Deal. Minister Maconlough has sought to reassure Irish farmers regarding the agreement reached in Luxembourg. John O'Connor for Farm Talk.
2: Thanks, John. Well, as you've heard, farmers will have to make their farms more environmentally friendly to avail of the new Common Agricultural Policy payment. EU Agricultural Ministers voted to make 20% of the direct payment reliant on ecosystems being introduced on farms. The new cap expected to be agreed and implemented in January 2023. IFA President Tim Cullinan says the EU cannot forget why the cap payment was initially brought in.
4: We have a long road to travel with this yet because what has been agreed as well is there's going to be a two year transition period to go from the the old cap into the new cap, which the, the first year of the new cap will be. 2023. So in in those two year period, in that two year period, you know, we have to use that time to get the best deal possible for our farmers to compensate farmers for producing cheap food. And so we want the EU Commission and and the Council of Ministers and the Parliament to be cognizant of that fact going forward. Farmers are adhering to a lot of environmental measures already, and um, each member state are going to have to produce a strategic plan. Which will go to the Commission for approval. So, look, there's a long way to go on this, yes.
2: President of the IFA, Tim Cullinan. Well, Ireland South MEPs have been having their say in the CAP debate in Brussels. Reporter Kevin Purcell at the European Parliament spoke to Ireland South MEPs Grace O'Sullivan of the Green Party and Fine Gael's Sean Kelly.
5: Well, I think you have to look at this in context. In the fact that this now is going on for over two years and the respective people in charge in each of the groups sit down, they discuss it, they go backwards and forwards. But ultimately we have to get a decision because otherwise you'll have no cap. And what has happened is that uh, the S&D, the socialists as we call them, the uh, Renew, which would be uh, Fianna Fáil in Irish terms, and uh, EPP, Fine Gael, have come and uh, read compromises which will now go before Parliament and if they have a majority then the cap goes through. Nobody is 100% happy. I don't think the farmers are happy. The NGOs aren't happy. But the nature of compromise is that nobody is 100% happy. And you probably get a good compromise when that's the situation. The easiest thing to do is to say we're against this and vote against it. But if everybody did that, you would have no legislation you'd have no cap and you'd have no MFF. So I think you have to respect the positions of those who spent two years negotiating, listening to all the groups, finally coming up with what we call compromise amendments in the hope that we can reach a satisfactory position that will allow farmers to continue on farming and get rewarded for their work, but also direct them in the positive direction of ensuring that what they do is environmentally friendly and uh, help biodiversity etc.
6: Grace O'Sullivan, you're not happy with what's on the table at the moment. What's so bad about uh, the deal as it stands at the minute? What what are the biggest problems for you?
0: The biggest problems is that we heard the president of the European Commission, Ursula von der Leyen, present her flagship uh, Green New Deal the European Green Deal. Um, And we saw her uh, present the farm-to-fork strategy, the biodiversity strategy. These are all good uh, measures. They're not perfect, but they're good developments which recognise the climate emergency we're in, recognise biodiversity decline, and uh, recognises fair contribution to farmers. This isn't being taken on board at the moment. And uh, uh, it's just, I think we need to understand with the CAP. The CAP is about food, good food on the table, good, nutritious, healthy food that's grown locally or produced locally, that's distributed uh, locally and regionally, and that we build on a good ecological system of agricultural production. What we see in this policy that's on the table now is that this isn't actually going to happen. That we're going to roll back on the big areas which are in the European Green Deal of climate and biodiversity. It's just not good enough. And we know in Ireland like we've we've heard the farmers uh, concerned because of the distribution of the payments. And the payments, as currently set, are um, distributed, huge amounts are distributed to large, intensive agri-farming. Family farm in Ireland, that, that broad section of farmers that need a fair income are, you know, they're being deprived of this because the vast majority, the distribution is going to the larger, intensive farmer. And that's just not correct. And that is unsustainable.
2: Ireland South MEP's Grace O'Sullivan of the Green Party and Fine Sean Kelly speaking to reporter there Kevin Purse at the European Parliament during the CAP debate during the week.
0: Farm Talk on C103.
2: ICOS has issued its guidelines for March on the new Level 5 Covid restrictions. Farm Talk's John O'Connor joins me to look at the measures which came into effect at midnight Wednesday. So, John, can you remind our listeners exactly how marts must operate under these restrictions?
3: The Department of Agriculture, Food and the Marine have directed that since midnight Wednesday, 21st of October 2020, Mart sales rings are to remain closed. Marts may facilitate online sales and they must put in place a drop-and-go policy for
2: sellers. So, it's a drop-and-go policy, John. What exactly is that and how does it operate? A drop-and-go policy. This means
3: that farmers or their representatives may deliver livestock to the mart by appointment and must then depart from the mart premises without delay. Where feasible, farmers or their representatives should remain in their vehicle while on the mart premises and mart staff should unload and load livestock and take their passports.
2: And you mentioned farmers can only bring livestock to the mart by appointment. So how is that arranged? And who arranges it? Marts must do the arranging. Marts must arrange
3: that individual times are allocated to individual buyers to view or collect
2: livestock. And is it okay for the farmer to bring someone along to the mart to help? No,
3: it's not allowed, unfortunately, to bring another person with you. Buyers should attend the mart on their own without any accompaniment.
2: I understand ICOS, the co-op umbrella organisation, has issued some detailed information for the guidance of marts and their clients in respect of the COVID-19 restrictions.
3: Yes, indeed, Barry. Some points uh, not specifically mentioned already in our conversation, but uh, included by ICOS in their press release. These will include mandatory face covering, of course, essential hand washing and use of sanitising gels. And all people attending the mart must have their time and mobile phone number recorded. All sellers must be available to receive phone calls to accept or decline final bids for livestock by arrangement with their local mart. The actual viewing time allocated for viewing is up to the mart manager to decide. When the viewing time is up, all potential buyers must leave the mart premises and bid remotely online. And what happens if a mart is not online? Any Martin not online can use a tendering system, as was in place last March. Sales cannot be started if buyers are on the mart premises.
2: And you didn't mention it, John, but of course, the mandatory distancing of two metres is obligatory at all times.
3: Correct, Barry. And there can be no waiting or hanging about on the premises by customers.
2: Well, there's a lot of information there for the guidance of people wanting to do business with the marts. Can you let our listeners have a contact website where all the information is available? And any other valuable information on combating COVID-19?
3: Certainly, Barry, I have details here. Mr Ray Doyle, Livestock and Essential Services Executive with ICOS, the Irish Cooperative Organisation Society, umbrella body for the co-ops. He has given us the following website for listeners' reference. That's ray.doyle at icos.ie and all lowercase ray.doyle at icos.ie, R-A-Y dot D-O-Y-L-E, at icos.ie. And another important source of information on taking precautions against the virus is www.hse.ie. And the HSE is in capital letters.
2: Thanks, John. And as you heard, Ray Doyle is Livestock and Essential Services Executive with ICOS. He can tell us a little bit more about the new restrictions and how they affect the marts.
7: Well, I suppose the industry has had to change uh, drastically since uh, since March, since we were officially re- reopened again. And all through the summer months when I suppose the COVID uh, risk had, had eased away, uh, many, many marts had uh, installed online uh, trading as, as as a bolster to the current trading that they had. And I suppose now we're back in level five, that investment is going to pay dividends because from tomorrow onwards, um, we are forced with online trading only within the sales ring and buyers and sellers will have to come to the Mart by appointment only. So in many ways, we have retrenched fully to where we were last March when the Mart public auction had stopped and it was invite only to the Mart Centre. That in many ways is what's happening now. Um, buyers and sellers must, first of all, contact the local market manager with their intentions to either buy or sell animals, and they will be given a time to arrive at animals from the seller's point of view, and then they will uh, unload their animals and simply have to actually go home and wait until their animals are sold online. Buyers, on the other hand, then, again, are by appointment only. They signal their intention to, to if when they're wishing to buy, make an appointment with the market manager, They will be marshaled in a very controlled way down around the pinning areas before the sale starts to view potential animals that they are hopefully going to purchase. But when the sale starts, everybody is off the Mart Centre except uh, Mart staff and the auctioneers, um, and the sale is conducted online. So that is essentially the way it's going to work. When I I, I say off the Mart Centre, I mean out of the Mart building, uh, and out of the marked penning areas because some buyers may wish to conduct their online business through their phone or smartphone in the car parks uh, or further afield because perhaps they'll have to collect the animals they purchase but as a result uh, of the level five restrictions nobody will be present when the sale is ongoing except MART staff and it's going to be conducted online so that is a very i suppose a very quick run through of what's going to happen.
2: And the business in general how did that change you know post March there? You know how were all those structures that uh, were introduced received and, and how did business move along then as a result?
7: Well the online piece uh, has been very well received and, and whilst uh, during the summer months when we were at level 2 and 3 nationwide yes the significant uh, portions of trade uh, re- well regressed is the wrong word reverted back to the traditional way of the person around the ring purchasing the animals but there was a constant uh, increase in development uh, of the online sales piece all through the summer and now it is it is it is well i suppose received it is in place it's now not novel people are used to it and we've had many, many uh, uh, buyers uh, through the summer. Now, if there was a problem with, with broadband or anything interrupted the online sales for as much as two minutes, there was fo- there's phone calls being made to to market management. So, where is the online piece? So, the online piece is is definitely a piece that even if COVID nineteen disappeared tomorrow morning, it's there to stay and will continue to grow. Now, I must ca- counter that a small little bit by saying buying cattle and sheep online is not like buying a loaf of bread or a bicycle which tends to be consistent so even though the online is developing uh, we still need the physical presence for someone to view livestock first of all and then conduct the business online and that's what we found through the summer before the level five restrictions That when people were buying online, they either went in early in the morning, had a look through the pins, decided what lot numbers were suitable for what they wanted or got somebody else to do it and then bought online in the comfort of their own home or if they were in work at at a coffee break. And uh, so I see a great potential and and only uh, it's it adding to the MART offering for the years ahead when COVID-19 is hopefully a memory to us all.
2: I can appreciate how it would be easier for the younger generation, but the older generation who would have been used to the MART day and the camaraderie and, and the meeting and greeting and, and the social side of it, you know how has it affected them, Ray? It has
7: affected them. There's no point in saying it hasn't. That whole social aspect of the MART has really uh, disappeared since COVID hit our shores. And even through the summer months, it was slowly returning, but still not, not, not to the extent it was before. So that piece, that piece, uh, has been sorely missed uh, by us all because there's nothing like a a good uh, a bustling mart day with lots of people around. Because even the people that aren't bidding and weren't bidding in the good old times, there was they were putting an energy into into the particular mart centre that was that was you know a, a great positive force in itself. So we can only look forward to when we return to those days. And yes, it, it is a major problem still for us, but no more than the greater and, and wider uh, community. That's that's a bigger that's a bigger issue than just the Mart issue now, not being able to, to visit friends and family.
2: Ray Doyle, Livestock and Essential Services Executive with ICOS. Next, the first of our topics on housing winter cattle. John Valence is East Cork area sales manager with Dairy Gold. And as we come to the end of October, recent downpours will have seen many cattle brought in prematurely.
8: When you look back at it, we had a great couple of weeks, but the rain now at the start of the week really, really put, put things into perspective coming into the winter. A lot of farmers have, have put cows in that bit earlier than what they would have hoped. Look, especially for I, I cover for Dairy Gold in East Cork, you'd have a very dry, a dry, long grazing season in this area. They would have been hoping at least the first of November before they started start thinking about putting cattle or, or cows in. so... Look, a week makes a big difference to them lads too So it is that bit earlier than what they would have
2: hoped One of our topics actually on the programme this week John Is about you know bringing in the, the cattle over the winter And winter housing Particularly in the area of feed Two things I need to know
8: Barry is Number one, how much do they need For the winter going through And what's the quality of what they have like it doesn't there can be a savage variation in the quality of silage from, from one cut to the next cut. So any farmer not testing silage would really want to get that that sorted out now and get it tested to have an idea of what you're feeding. Whether it be dry cows or stock or dairy cows, you need to know what they're putting into them. It's a good could be shot in the dark without getting it tested. And are many farmers buffer feeding now? I definitely say about ninety nine percent of farmers at this stage are buffer feeding of some sort. Now that might be just bale silage at the feed face or straight maize or some that might be using a TMR rest or mix at the moment putting the diet feeder going with the concoction stuff inside, and it, like some maize, bees, straw, soya, really uh, increased the energy in the cows this time of year.
2: Now, I've still seen quite a bit of maize in the ground there recently, John. You know, is is it a bit longer in the ground this year, or was that just due to weather, or what were the circumstances?
8: The maize harvest kicked off a bit earlier than nearly expected. I mean, you know, I was starting to drag on with weather. Now, saying that, Barry, I'd imagine that nearly 80% of the maize is, is in a this stage now. Um, crops looked very good. I've seen a lot of good stuff in, in Ladies Bridge and Castamara and that craft of the country now a lot of maize with one cob, but one decent cob, and that's what you'll be looking for most of the time, rather than two handy cobs. suppose a good kind of indicator on maize, Barry, what you'll be looking for is kind of six or six and a half tons of dry matter an acre. So at your, say, 25% dry matter, you'll be looking for kind of 20 tons of fresh weight to come off an acre, at least kind of what you'll be looking at. Well, look, does very little testing to get a, a, a solid kind of result on the quality of it at the moment, but look, looking at it in the field before harvest and what fellas got in terms of bulk, the maize looks very good so far.
2: Do you think that they'll be happy with the maize harvest this year, John?
8: Uh, you know, any man I spoke to who is maizing is, is very happy with the, with the piece of stuff he has looking at in the yard at the moment. And when we, we walked a lot of maize with farmers before it was harvested, and they're all quite happy with what the quality of what they had sitting
2: in the field as well. John Valence, East Cork Area Sales Manager for Dairy Gold.
3: The Minister of State for Land Use and Biodiversity at the Department of Agriculture, Food and the Marine, Senator Pippa Hackett, has announced an extension to the closing date for an open call for a new locally-led scheme for the rewetting of farmland previously retrieved from drained bogland. The scheme was originally announced in August of this year by Minister Peppa Hackett and is an open call under the Department of Agriculture's Rural Development Programme using the European Innovation Partnership Initiative, EIP, model. The closing date for the scheme had originally been 23rd of October 2020, But this has now been extended by a fortnight and applications may now be accepted up to 5pm on the 6th of November 2020. Applications should be made to EIP at agriculture.gov.ie, EIP capital letters and the remainder lowercase. A guideline on this open call may be downloaded from the department's website at www.agriculture.gov.ie or by contacting the EIP section at eip at agriculture.gov.ie and a low call number is available too. That's 0761 064 415. That's 0761 064 415. John O'Connor for Farm Talk.
0: Farm Talk on C103.
1: It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. plushcare.com slash weight loss
2: We continue this week's farm talk with our weekly Tagusk advisory Anna Sexton joins us so we can continue the topic of winter housing of cattle In the first of two parts, Anna looks at feed space, making housing as stress-free as possible, best practice housing facilities and what farmers need to consider at this time.
9: We're coming to the end of October and I suppose the weather is getting a bit darker and evenings are getting a bit longer and I suppose we're thinking about putting cattle into the shed and how best to manage them. It's a costly time of year on the farm and weight gains over the winter can greatly impact on livestock performance. So we want to make sure that we have good, healthy cattle going into the shed and just to make sure that they are in good condition and that there's a plan put in place to ensure that housing is as stress-free as possible and we want to, again, maximise their performance. First of all there, we think about are our housing facilities ready on the farm there may be a few jobs to do before the winter comes, like um, ensuring that the side cheating of the, the sheds allows air to circulate into the sheds. There might be a few repair jobs to do on cubicles or on barriers or such like. Um, we want to make sure that we minimise any viruses or bacteria in the sheds, so we want to make sure that there's good quality air circulating at all times, as this reduces the likelihood of infections while trying to maintain any drafts in the sheds to a minimum. I suppose research has shown that cattle perform well in well-ventilated sheds, as they are less likely to dis- to develop uh, respiratory disease and pneumonia. Um, another thing that we need to take into account is that we don't want to overcrowd our sheds because it reduces animal performance. Um, it can increase competition uh, for... Uh, Bigger cattle and younger and smaller cattle at the feed the feed face, where um, we want to give cattle enough opportunity, ha, keep their intakes up and um, have an adequate amount of feed. High moisture levels in a shed can cause pathogens to spread and survive, especially in the air and bedding. What's under foot, um, especially in the case of straw bedding, um, we want to try and have those pins uh, gently sloped so that it reduces the amount of moisture in the bedded area. Um, there are guidelines available there regarding the floor space per animal. For example, young cattle require point nine to one point one square meters. Uh, Finished cattle require a larger feed space, up to one point seven uh, square meters. And suckler cows with calves, primarily, would be our autumn-born um, calves this year, and um, would be two point three to two point seven five square meters. So I suppose it's a guideline there for all. Uh, dry stock farmers when they are putting their cattle in that there there is a, a guideline for, floor space for, for each category of livestock. So again we want to make housing as stress-free as possible. We want to keep stress to a minimum and for many suckler farmers the housing period is seen as an ideal time to wean suckler calves or cows from their calves. Which I suppose is the case, really, with the spring-born calves as they approach and are, over, you know, maybe are over five months of age. So. Calves are more prone to disease and infections as their immunity is is uh, suppressed due to the stress of the stress of housing and weaning. So it's best to wean the suckler cow from their calves while outdoors and over a gradual period of time. Um, this year, under the new BEEP suckler weighing program, farmers were given the option of meal feeding their calves for four weeks before weaning and two weeks after weaning which reduces the stress on calves at weaning time. So many farmers took this option up uh, under the BEEP scheme so to reduce the stress on calves. So the use of a creep wire uh, may be one way of breaking the bond between the cows and calves. I suppose calves need to see and hear their dams, so I suppose having them close to them. We advise that uh, castration and and should be avoided in the lead-up to housing, as these practices also cause stress to the calves we want to ensure that the stock have adequate feed space so to get more live weight gain which what we are which is what we're trying to achieve in 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 a livestock system um, it's advisable to group animals in accordance with their weight so group lighter animals in one group and heavier animals in another group and feed accordingly to their weight so it'll it'll reduce competition at the feed barrier between larger and lighter animals it has been proven that significant gains can be made where animals of a similar size and weight are grouped together. It's especially important where you have heifers calving a two-year-old as smaller cows and heifers get preferential treatment. So the feed space allowance for these animals is about two feet per animal at the feed face and cattle should have access to clean drinking water.
2: Anna Sexton there, the first of two parts. We'll have more on Wednesday and we'll hear a little bit more from Anna on some schemes and important dates a little later in the programme. The National Dairy Show is going virtual this year and takes place on October 28th and 29th. Carl Kassan is involved with the the behind-the-scenes preparations, which are many and varied because of the online presentation. I asked Carl how different it is moving to a virtual show.
6: It's been a little bit of a challenge, all right, to get it all together. Um, When you look at all all that's happening this year, I mean, the physical event was ruled out almost immediately, you could say, and especially now that we've actually gone to to level five again, like there was actually no hope for it happening, but... I guess the committee felt like with the way everything is this year, it was very important that there was something like some means of, of farmers being able to communicate with each other, see what's happening out there in the, in the dairy world and to, to be able to interact like, with people who are, who are selling products or whatever and see where, where the industry is going. So I guess when we kind of sat down and looked at it, what needed to be done was uh, some kind of a platform had to be built, like let's say that you could almost bring all the attributes of the physical show online and make it very, very easy then for the person who's, let's say, logging on at home to actually be able to view what's happening, to be able to interact with the show. So there's a lot of, how to say, custom features that's been put into to this, to this virtual dairy show. So, I mean, you register at uh, the National Dairy nationaldairyshow.ie. Uh, that will give you the email then for that you can just click on the link. Even when you're going into the show, let's say, next Wednesday evening at 6 or whatever time you're, you're finished milking, let's say, that you can, you can log on. And when you go in, the first thing you'll see is there'll be the main screen, let's say, and on that screen there'll be panel discussions happening. There might be keynote speakers happening. And straight away you'll see the ease of use there. Um, let's say on the right-hand side of the screen there'll be a box where you can text in any questions you have for any of the speakers or any of the people talking. Uh, all our exhibitors will be appearing on the screen, say, below. You can click on the exhibitors. You can go into them. It's almost like, as I say, being at the physical show, you go into the exhibitor. Let's say it's Munster, bovine, it's dairy, gold, whatever you can go in. You can see what they have to offer. You can view any videos they have put on the site. You can see their brochures. And also, as well, when you're in the exhibitors, you can actually live text any questions you have to the exhibitors. So if there's some product you see that's for sale, or again, if I come back to Munster because I' are one of our main sponsors, if there's a bull you're interested, you can ask a question there, and there'll be people live on the show board evenings that can answer those questions for you. So it took a little bit of building, but it, it wasn't the, the hardest thing ever to do, let's say. So hopefully we've put something together that's very easy to use and will be very interactive for everybody who does log
2: on. And it's different in that it's over two evenings as well, because before you probably would have had the day-long events, Carl.
6: Yes, that's correct. Like, uh, I suppose, I mean, the way we kind of looked at that was, realistically, for an online event, it's going to suit people more in the evening. Like, I mean, if you were going to the, the traditional show in the Gle- the Green Glens, it was a full day, so you'd leave home maybe whatever time in the morning, 8, 9 o'clock, and you'd go on to the show, you'd spend the day there, and you'd come back in the evening. But realistically, if you're at home, like you're probably still going to have a lot of work to do around the farm, so you're not going to go missing for seven or eight hours sitting inside at home watching the computer. So it was felt that like actually split it to three, three and a half hours over two evenings each evening, like three, three and a half hours, it gives people a better chance to finish up what they have to do during the day and then come into the comfort of their home make a cup of tea, a cup of coffee, whatever they, they fancy drinking, sit back, relax and log on to the show and just enjoy it from the, from the comfort of their home in the evening. So that was the way that was thought out.
2: And to whet their appetite then, Carl, what can they expect? What's on the agenda? What's on the agenda? Well, it's a,
6: it's a packed agenda, so there, there, there's many different things. So I say, we've, we've two very, very high-profile keynote speakers, one in each evening. So on the first evening, we've a guy called Donald Moore, who is the... He's the CEO of the Global Dairy Platform, so he's based out of Chicago, and he's got a, a wealth of experience in dairy. He, he worked for 10 years with Fonpera. He's been, as I say, CEO of the Global Dairy Platform now for a number of years, so he's really got his finger on the pulse of where dairy is going, what are going to be the challenges and the opportunities in the next 10 years, and I guess that's one of the kind of advantages in one way of it being virtual. We have no problem, say, with hooking him in from Chicago and getting him to talk, while if it was a physical show, our chance of getting here to Ireland probably would be very slim. Then the second evening, we've got Zoe Kavanagh from the, the National Dairy Council who's going to speak on, say, dairy's connection with the consumer and the challenges that are there on that at the moment. And again, both of these sessions will be and interactive. People can ask questions. And then there's a, a number of panels. We've panels on selective therapy antibiotic resistance, breeding, where infrastructure is going on farms, what kind of grass would we be growing in five or ten years' time, and, of course, the big... Question of sustainability will also be covered. Now, along with all that, if that's not enough over the two evenings, there'll be demonstrations of machinery, there'll be highlights of profiles from farmers, um, we're going to have competitions, farmer polls, and one thing I think that might engage a lot of people is we're going to have something running called Champion of the Decade. So, as you're aware, like one of the big things from the dairy show always was the, the showing of the cows and the the champion dairy cow will be selected each year. So with all the restrictions this year, we're trying to figure out, well, what can we do? Like, we can't physically get the animals in there to show and to get the judges and get the people to see them. So what's happening is that the champion cow for each of the last 10 years is actually going to be shown virtually. We're getting an expert judge in from the UK. He's going to judge the cows. And along with that, everybody who's logged in will have the opportunity to vote on what they think is the best cow out of all the champions of the last 10 years. So I expect that's going to... ...generate a lot of debate over the two evenings of what's everybody's favourite cow... ...and what you think the champion will be. So that should be a, a very nice uh, feature.
2: Cal Kassan, the National Dairy Show, goes virtual this year... ...and takes place on October 28th and 29th.
0: Farm Talk on C103.
2: We continue this week's Farm Talk... ...and 40 years of the finest produce will be celebrated... ...at Udarosna Gaeiltecta Expo, Gaeiltect Food and Drink. Products have garnered worldwide attention in recent years... And the excellence of these products will be celebrated online over a two-day period, October 27th and 28th. It's an opportunity on Udaros social media challenge to meet the producers, virtually taste the cookery demonstrations, learn amazing recipes, connect with the companies and purchase excellent produce. Some of the core companies taking part include Fulon Tio, Macroon Buffalo Cheese Products, Potog Tio, Nine White Deer Brewery, Koish Coulé and Draglan Clare at Tiorante. Supervalues Food Academy producers have been among the winners at the Blossna Heron Awards. Five local Cork producers are celebrating success. The five are On The Pigs Back, based in Douglas, Carberry, producer, West Cork Eggs, Hanley's Puddings Limited, Mitchellstown, Kinsale Mead and Joe's Farm Crisps, located in Killa. Supervalue Food Academy producers took home 66 awards in total. Now in its 13th year, Bloss Heron Awards is the highest national accolade for quality Irish produce across the country. ICMSA is highlighting the importance of milk as one of the nine main messages from National Healthy Eating Guidelines for one to four-year-olds. President Pat McCormack as yet again a highly qualified and scientifically strenuous examination had demonstrated beyond any doubt that consumption of milk by young children was not just desirable but necessary and vital for healthy development. Minister of State for Land Use and Biodiversity, Senator Pippa Hackett, has launched new training videos on farming for conservation. The videos will be released weekly on social media and department websites. They've been created in response to COVID-19 and the films showcase best practice in upland management. The first in the series highlights the value of good grazing infrastructure. The training videos are developed by the Hen Harrier Project and funded by Minister Hackett's department. Anna Sexton of Tagus joins us again with some key closing dates for upcoming schemes. I
9: suppose the end of October is 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 going to be very busy for a lot of dry stock and suckler farmers. Um, the beef weighing deadline is the thirty first of October, uh, so the weights have to be submitted to ICBS uh, before the end of the month. And um, the fecal sampling for the beep the beef environmental efficiency pilot for sucklers, which is part of the same the same programme, uh, those samples need to be returned to the lab before next week, the end of next week, and the requirement for the four to five star females for the beef data and genomics programme um, has to be met by the end of next week. So I suppose it, it's a busy time of year for for a lot of, especially those suckler guys trying to get those um you know, keeping those deadlines in in mind and having their things in order. There's a local authority water programme meeting for for farmers in the Keel and Foharish catchment area, which is located between McCroom and Mill Street on Zoom on the 27th of October at 7.30pm. Farmers need to, if they want to attend this or are located in the area, they log on to the watersandcommunities.ie website and register there to attend this meeting. Chugus are continuing to provide advisory services to all farmers in the Cork County area through our local offices during COVID or Level 5 restrictions. In that case, ringing the local, your local office is advisable. You can log on to tiagascar.ie for your local area number.
2: Anna Sexton of Chagask.
3: A total figure of 974 million euro will have been issued to farmers by the end of the month, made up of Advanced Basic Payment Scheme, BPS, and Areas of Natural Constraint, ANC, monies, it's been pointed out by the Department of Agriculture, Food and the Marine. The announcement coincides with confirmation by Minister for Agriculture, Charlie mcconnell that advance payments of €781 million Euro under the BPS Basic Payment Scheme, including greening, will be in farmers' accounts in coming days. The BPS advance payments are starting at the earliest date possible under European Union regulations. The payment is set at 70% this year, which is an increase on the 50% advance normally allowed under the EU regulation. Minister mcconnell pointed out that compared to the advance payments made at this stage last year, an additional 3,500 farmers had received an advance payment in the first run of payments this year. This, he said, represents an additional €34 million. Euro. In all, some 97% of eligible applicants for the 2020 BPS are receiving their advance payments at the earliest possible date. John O'Connor for Farm Talk.
2: Thanks to John for co-producing and contributing to the Farm Talk programme again this week. I'm Barry O'Mahony. Thanks for listening.
1: Farm Talk with Dairy Gold Heifer Rearer Cube. A trusted partner to help your replacement heifers reach their target weights and meet their full potential.